Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my sponsor and my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time are you being influenced if you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse what's the deadliest ideology in the history of mankind now maybe you're saying nazism certainly up there maybe you're saying communism gosh for the time frame it's certainly up there but the truth is, the deadliest ideology is a brand, a, a branch of communism, but it actually is not one people think about when they think of the deadliest ideologies, because it hasn't been put into place quite yet. Somewhat, but not quite yet. The climate change death cult. It is a death cult. And it's designed to be a death cult. The people who believe in man-made climate change are the biggest death cult in the history of mankind. If they were allowed to put all their policies into place, a billion people, two billion, 
Who knows how high the death count would go, but it would be catastrophic. Third world countries, developing countries would be utterly wiped out. Even countries like ours here in the United States of America, it would, there would be so much poverty and endless suffering. It, it's, just, it's impossible to put a word on it. So why would they be that way? Why would they support this? Why would you push such a deadly ideology? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but the truth is if you believe man and the CO2 he breathes out, if you believe that is harmful to the planet, then it's not hard to convince yourself that the greater good is to stop man from doing that. Well, how do you stop man from producing CO2 when CO2 is what he breathes out? You kill him. There's, there's not a second way to do it. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of things about vehicles and the military going green and all, that, all the other insane parts to this climate change death call. But really the truth comes down to this. Man is CO2. And so you've got to kill him if you want to save the planet. Everything comes down to stopping you from doing what? Breathing. That's what they want. And it's not just that they want it. I mean, that would be bad enough. There's always a group of nut jobs out there somewhere, right? There's always a little cult here, a little terrorist group here, a little, little group here. It would be one thing if these people, these climate change nutters who believe man is poisoning the earth, it'd be one thing if there was some little fringe group in Yemen or something somewhere. They're not. The problem is the climate change nutters who believe that man is killing the earth, they are firmly entrenched at the highest leadership levels of virtually every government in the Western world. I mean, we're talking about America here mainly right now, so let's just focus on that for a moment. I want you to pause and I want you to think about how many different places you have to hear about environmental friendly, going green, climate change. I've told the story before, I'll tell it again. I sat down with my sons in IHOP to get some pancakes one day and we looked down in the little placemat thing where they're eating their pancakes. It was a climate change tutorial for the kiddos, learning about how evil these greenhouse gases are. We're all gonna die, the earth is warming. This has become something that is firmly rooted and entrenched in every single one of our cultural pillars in this country. And that would be bad enough, but what these people believe and how desperately these people believe it is something we better keep our eyes on. Here's noted genius AOC. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change, and your biggest issue is... The world is going to end in 12 years. Now, let's be clear about something when it comes to climate change, people. Not that I think the distinction is actually important, but it doesn't hurt to know it's there. When you have climate change, people, they talk about it. They believe in it, right? Well, no. Have to. I mean, look, Barack Obama builds a gigantic $12 million mansion in Martha's Vineyard right on the ocean right before he goes and gives a speech about the rising of the oceans. Does Barack Obama believe in climate change? No. This is a man who flew his personal pizza chef out from St. Louis to Washington just to make him a pizza. Is he worried about greenhouse gases? Does he believe they're changing the Earth's climate? Of course he doesn't. John Kerry flying around the world on a private plane complaining about climate change. He doesn't care. 
all these Hollywood actors out there. Leonardo DiCaprio is one of my favorite examples. He's perhaps the loudest voice in Hollywood about the, the dangers of the planet. Stop this greenhouse gas movement. Well, then they caught him on videotape. He was filming a movie or something. Chose to live on a yacht that was always moving around in the ocean for, I believe, two or three months at a time. Just churning out, just churning out those emissions, baby. These people don't actually believe in climate change. And then there are the people who do. There are a bunch of people, because of the endless propaganda poured in people's eyes and ears in this country, there are a bunch of people who genuinely believe that car you're driving down the road is changing the climate on planet Earth. There are people who believe that cow farts are changing the climate on planet Earth, that what you're breathing is somehow changing the weather out there. And the truth is, like I said, it doesn't really matter who believes in it genuinely or who doesn't because they're all pushing towards the same deadly end goal, and that is the elimination of you. And they celebrate the pain. They celebrate your misery because, remember, misery is the point. Death is the point. Mark Ruffalo, speaking of Hollywood actors, I mean, he's staring out at high gas prices, high energy prices, people being wiped out. He's thrilled about it. And this is a moment for President Biden to take this, um, our, our momentum, people's fear, um, their disgust with the war, their disgust with energy prices, and, and, and use that to solidify a message to the American people that now is the time to transition. This is where the jobs are. This is where national security is. And we are going to keep pushing him to do it. And this is a, this is a gift to the president as we see it. And we see him uh, accepting it in such terms. Look at the smile on his face. He's so excited about you having to pay $100 to fill up your car with gas. He's so excited you got an energy bill and you had to tell the wife, honey, I know it's summer, but we're going to have to crank that thermostat back up. We can't afford this. He's excited. He's so excited he doesn't miss a beat, right? And okay, there are guys like that, and then there are people. How much do they believe it? Well, we just had a man roast himself alive on the steps of the Supreme Court to bring awareness to climate change. Have you ever burned yourself on the stove? Just a little, ooh, that hurts. Maybe bacon splashing on your stomach or something. Hurts, right? You have any idea what it would feel like to burn alive? Someone did that to themselves. To themselves. In the name of climate change. I mean, how high up does this go? We have the Treasury Secretary, not the head of the EPA, the Treasury Secretary talking about it. I think climate change is an existential threat um, to, to our globe and to our future. You can see that countries, it, it is a long-term risk, but it is becoming notably more severe. I do believe that transition risks are very real as more and more countries adopt uh, frameworks that are meaningful to address climate change, we could be we could see significant changes in asset valuations that um, pose risk to financial institutions. All of our leadership. Oh, you think that's bad? Well, we have a Secretary of Energy right now. You'd think the Secretary of Energy would be all over these gas prices. Well, she sure is. But the bottom line is that this president and this administration are looking at every single tool to shield American families from the impact of rising energy prices. And we're working through 
we're working through an energy transition. And we've got to start by adding energy. And the reality is we have to take some time to get off of oil and gas. We recognize this. This is a transition. We're just going to take some time. It's fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Finally, we have Joe Biden's climate advisor, Gina McCarthy. This is, we're in the middle of economic collapse. Recession, we're already in a recession. Let's be honest about that. We're heading towards the Great Depression. How are they going to handle it? Well, here's Gina McCarthy. We have solutions that can deliver. We're, going to, we're actually going to do 100 rules this year alone on appliances, just like you asked. We are developing partnerships on how we work together for new building standards, even for sustainable airlines. Who'd have thunk that they'd be all in, but they better be or they're going to be out of here. One billion people. That's the conservative estimate. One billion people dead if these people get their way. The deadliest ideology in the history of the world. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Mark Morano has forgotten more about this stuff than we'll ever know. We're talking to him next. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. You heard of ClimateDepot.com? You should have. You should go there often. I do. Joining me now, Mark Morano. He's the author of 2019's The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, and a 2021's green fraud. Mark, first and foremost, what fraud? Aren't you worried about this warming or cooling or whatever it's doing now? Well, it's a great question. Actually, our, we have not, <clears throat> we, our temperatures roughly haven't really changed much globally since the late 1990s. But here's the kicker. When they talk about the hottest year on record, the hottest decade, these are differences to within tenths, one hundredths of a degree. They, they're within the margin of error. They're within the adjustment ranges that they do for these temperatures. It's a fancy way of saying the temperature hasn't changed that much. Now, has it warmed? Well, if you're going from 1970s, yes, we've warmed since the end of the Little Ice Age. Has it warmed since the 1930s? Uh, you know, the 1930s, according to Biden's EPA, still had the most heat waves on record by far in any U.S. cities throughout, if you look at the records, any time period in the entire last hundred years. If you go back to the medieval warm period, we probably cooled about the same temperature. If you go back to the Roman warming about zero, we probably cooled. So it's all a question. You look at the geologic history of the Earth, 90% of the Earth's history has been warmer than today. We're in the 10% coldest geologic period where you could have ice at either pole. 90% of Earth's history could not support ice at either pole. So when you say, is the Earth warming, is global warming real? I don't know. It's a silly question because it's all about timelines. But beyond that, do humans contribute? Is it an area of concern? Humans can contribute to climate 
In fact, in the 1970s, they thought our fossil fuels were creating aerosols, which were blocking out the sun and thus causing man-made global cooling, a coming ice age. Guess what? Hurricanes, floods, storms were all due to man-made global cooling, CIA reports. We had you know, p uh, professors warning Nixon about global cooling coming. ABC News, you had Newsweek, Time Magazine, all warning of a coming ice age. So yes, and we can actually warm the earth through CO2, but there are hundreds of factors that influence the climate. It's not just CO2. Co conveniently, we inhale oxygen, we exhale CO2. We now have academic government reports saying that we should regulate carbon dioxide, what humans exhale from our mouth, the same way we do asbestos because of climate fears. That's a scary thought, to regulate human breath like asbestos. That's certainly, it gives them control of everything. I have a little video here from uh, John Kerry, somebody I'm not a big fan of, and I thought maybe you'd be a good man to have on and refute this. Here's John Kerry. If everybody does what they promised to do in Paris, we could actually hold the Earth's temperature to 1.8 degrees by 2050. The problem is we're not doing everything we promised to do, and we're still back in two point something degrees, and that is absolutely catastrophic. So we must manage, we human beings must manage two crises at the same time. Right. Ukraine and climate. Mark, would you mind taking that away, please? All right, yeah, well, first we start with his premise. He actually believes from attending all these UN meetings, and these are hand-picked scientists from around the world, if they don't toe the line, they're rejected. How do I know? What do I know about it? I did whole reports, collected a thousand scientists' names. Many of them were former United Nations scientists who literally said the game is rigged, that this is a campaign cause, that these people the United Nations invite in that John Kerry is quoting and listening to are the ones who literally uh, are, are told, toe the line or you won't be published, you won't be able to go to meetings, you're not going to be part of our little cabal. That's point one. The other point he mentioned was the two degree temperature. We know from the ClimateGate email leak that the two degree temperature goal touted by the United Nations, we must do X, Y, Z, decarbonize, cut down our emissions, or the earth is gonna heat by more than two degrees in 100 and 200 years, was literally pulled from thin air. That's what the lead United Nations scientists said privately in emails that were later made public. It's nothing more than a public relations campaign to get the public to essentially put a little skin in the game and make it sound like, you know, if you cut out that hamburger, if you sell your SUV, you can, you can save the earth by limiting the temperature to two degrees. But what John Kerry also said, and he didn't say it necessarily in that quote, is that even if the United States and the whole entire Western Europe zeroed out to nothing, we would have no impact on global emissions because China's building one coal plant a week, because Europe is going back to coal plants because, from Africa, because uh, Russia is now, we're at the third, US is at the third highest uh, imports for Russian oil. We are need energy and the world cannot provide it from solar and wind. So everything John Kerry said was fraudulent, completely debunked, and you can actually have it debunked by fellow United Nations members and scientists by everything he said. Why are all these people going back to coal, Mark? They're going back to coal. They're going back to, uh, here's a key distinction. They're not going back to domestic coal. They're going back to imported coal. So in the case of Europe, they literally spent the last 10 or 15 years. Now, remember, they're way ahead of us in their Green New Deal. And I'm talking about Germany and Europe and, and England, uh, Denmark, even getting into the Eastern Bloc with the EU trying to restrict countries like Poland. 
They're shutting down their domestic energy. It got to the point of absurdity where Boris Johnson authorized pouring of cement into fracking wells in the UK in 2019 to shut off at least a gas supply of 50 or more years of natural gas to England. But you know why he poured cement down the fracking holes? So he could virtue signal about net zero. So they've shut down their domestic energy and that made them one thing, reliant on Vladimir Putin, not just reliant on Putin, but literally funding his war machine because as the price of oil goes up over $40 a barrel, Russia gets richer and richer and starts getting ambitious ideas. So now Europe doesn't want to be reliant on uh, Russia for energy. So now they're increasing their reliance on African coal. The United States, China is increasing their coal production. They're, China's increasing everything because the world is dependent on China. Why is the world dependent on OPEC, China, Russia, Venezuela for energy? Because they don't follow the net zero climate agenda. They're not restricted the way Europe and the United States, Canada, we've shot ourselves in the foot by this insane Marxist ideology surrounding under the guise of climate change where we can't produce our own energy and we virtue signal, well, we import dirty energy. And what I mean by dirty is we have the cleanest environmental standards in the world, but yet we're willing to import oil from Russia, from OPEC, from China, not just oil, but a lot of other stuff from China, including rare earth mining and our solar panels and also Venezuela. They don't have the same environmental standards we do. So the whole thing is nuts. It's an ideology that's Republicans have enabled Kevin McCarthy, our GOP House, Mitch McConnell, uh, every Republican nominee and or president except Donald Trump. Uh, and I mean this except Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. Every other Republican in between, you can have. I don't like a single one of them. George W., George H.W., um, and obviously McCain, Romney, Dole. They were nothing. They were no one. They, they, they all helped set up this energy nightmare that we're in today. Golly. All right, finally, Joe Biden's energy secretary, Granholm, speaking of Russia, she had uh, yeah. something interesting to say. This war has only accelerated the urgency with which we must move to electrify transportation and to move toward clean energy. Clean energy that is American-made is energy that is not going to be subject to the volatility of petrodictators, to the uh, volatility of a fossil fuel, fuel market that is global in nature. Mark, is green energy American-made? It's nonsense. She, we buy 90% of our solar panels from China. We are giving up. We had, before the COVID lockdowns under President Trump, American energy dominance, world's largest oil and gas producer, more energy production than consumption, more energy exports than imports. We had cheap, reliable fossil fuel energy. And guess what? We had a booming economy with the lowest black and Hispanic unemployment rate ever measured in 50 plus years. That's what you call the American dream, right? So what happened was COVID lockdowns came and it was the greatest failing of Donald Trump's administration because he went along with Fauci et al and allowed the COVID emergency declaration, which then enabled the, particularly the blue states and some red state governors become dictators and mayors become dictators and county health bureaucrats became dictators. But because of that, we shut down our economy and then Joe Biden's elected from day one, Joe Biden has shut down every aspect, not just of energy production. It's an important point here. 
He shut down the financing. He's got something called environment social governance. He's got Janet Yellen at the Treasury Department literally warning banks and discrediting banks if they fund fossil fuel projects. So we've shut ourselves down. Now the fantasy, solar and wind at last count were less than 4% of our total energy production in the United States. Somehow they want to get rid of all our fossil fuels, which are near 79, 80% and make us a, a you know, decarbonized net zero, no, no net zero you know, carbon dioxide emissions. It's a utopian fantasy, but they're willing to crush Americans to achieve it. It's a lie to say that we're going to be energy independent on solar and wind. Not going to happen because we're buying all the rare earth mining that, from China. They're buying up land in Africa. They're mining in Congo. They have child labor uh, allegations by Amnesty International and other groups, kids as young as nine forced to work in the mines. This is what they're turning us over, and it's not going to be American domestic. We're going to have higher energy. But remember, higher energy costs are not something the Biden administration is opposed to. This is a, a, uh, it's a feature, not a bug of this. It's an intended consequence, not an unintended consequence. We've had energy secretaries under Obama who said we want European style gas prices. We have California now warning of coming blackouts this summer during the heat. This is our future and it's putting a huge smile on the climate activists because more less energy means more rationing, which means more power to bureaucrats and governments in control, which means economic degrowth, which is what they love because that's good for the earth and the climate. We are being screwed and the problem is Republicans. I'm just gonna say that over and over. We have a party in Washington that is not only clueless, but they're evil when it comes to these issues and they're doing nothing to fight back. We have Kevin McCarthy, the House Majority Leader, literally bragging that climate's a problem. We're gonna plant trees and we're gonna do a Green New Deal light and we're gonna subsidize solar and wind. You got Republicans doing carbon taxes now in North Dakota. You have uh, you know, people, a lot of people wanna do the geoengineering funded by Bill Gates to block out the sun. I mean, we've just gone to bonkers land, and I don't, you know, and we deserve to be there. Amen. ClimateDepot.com. Mark, thank you, my brother. Sorry. You got me all upset today. I don't know why. Your questions were fired me up, but thank you. You killed it, man. I'll see you. All right. Appreciate it. All right. We got more. To limit global warming, you are demanding to halt to coal, oil and gas exploration. You are asking firms to replace any corporate board directors who is unwilling to transition to cleaner energy sources. Wow, that all sounds horrific. Joining me now to explain what the heck he's talking about, my friend James Lindsay, of course, the author and founder of NewDiscourses.com and author of a book you have to buy, Race Marxism. If you want to understand, where's all this BLM, where's all this stuff intersect with communism? Buy Race Marxism. Your kids are learning this in school. James, okay, setting the race stuff aside... That sounded pretty much evil and horrible and like it would result in the death of millions of people. Yeah, it will. I mean, that's now we're looking at climate communism. Uh, so, 
you know, you have green energy sources as they, they hold up is great. You know, the communists love to hold up something that's got some color, whether it red or green or something that's good. So you have the green energy sources that are good, and then you have the black energy sources that are bad, like fossil fuels, nuclear power, et cetera. And we have to now transition. And the reason why we have to transition is because goons like Klaus Schwab gain power when we go on to some broken energy system uh, that doesn't allow us to be energy independent and therefore have to uh, work with whatever he gives us. Okay, how does it... How does it help him, though, to make the entire world poorer? I mean, he's already a powerful guy. He has the ear of several world leaders. What does he gain by making the world poorer and reducing the amount of SUVs on the road? Control. I mean, it's all it boils down to is they gain control when uh, the world is poor. Poor people have fewer resources to be able to fight back. They're too busy trying to get food and basic resources for themselves to live. Uh, so what he gains is control, which is what the communist is actually ultimately always after, uh, to try to control other people who might depose them from their illegitimate regime. Okay, James, we talk a lot about the World Economic Forum here. I know this is something you pay attention to. Can you elaborate a little bit on Agenda 2030 or 2030 Agenda? Because people don't seem to be paying attention to this. You are, but 2030 is right around the corner, and these people have climate goals. Yeah, so actually, the, the big, broad goal, the brand name for communism or neo-communism, if we need a new word for it, in the 21st century is sustainability. So Agenda 2030, uh, the United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals for the year 2030 are to transition us into a world that they call sustainable, which is the one that's completely under their control. There are a lot of reasons for this. One of those is that they simply want control over virtually everything. And if they can control energy where you have to go through them to get what little energy they want to give you, then they have a lot of control over you. Um, but another is because I actually think that a number of them it, it, it splits because you know, like people like Barack Obama building building a mansion on the coast. He's probably not that worried about the the ocean level rising. But on the other hand, I think a number of these people legitimately believe that we are in an existential crisis and that they can play savior. So it's got a kind of a savior complex behind it, and so they are utterly obsessed with destroying the fossil fuel industry, the nuclear energy industry, and anything that might give energy independence to people. Um, not just so they can control it, but because they think that they're saving the world, as the communists often does. And so the Agenda 2030 is a program to shift us into a so-called sustainable world. You can go back, in fact, to the 60s. You can read, say, Herbert Marcuse, most famous Marxist of the 1960s. He writes this book in 1964 called One Dimensional Man. Near the end of that book, he's talking about the need to get off of capitalism because we have to create a more sustainable world. He says it, of course, presumes a reduction in the future world population. It was 3.9 billion in 1964 when he wrote that. It's almost 8 billion now, so we have to reduce below 3.9 billion, he says. And then we have to get away from having so much stuff. We have to be content with less. We have to pull back. We can't keep destroying the environment. We can't keep polluting. We can't keep making gadgets just to have more gadgets, to create uh, needs for people in capitalism that, that aren't true needs, that people will buy stuff just to have it. And so the goal is to actually create this kind of new system where we own nothing and we'll be happy. Everything will be sustainable. Nothing will be polluting. We may have to have fewer people around to, to make it work. And we're going to be under the thumb of people like Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum partly because some of them are just cynical, partly because some want to save the world, and partly because of a third group, his uh, little henchman, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, if you've read his books like 
sapiens or uh, was it homo deus uh, 21 lessons for the 21st century you can just tell this man hates humans and so he just wants less humans because he hates them Communism at its core is an anti-human religion, as everyone who watches this or listens to you knows. All right, James, why not nuclear power then? Okay, at least with the true believers. Because you mentioned some of these people actually believe this. It's the end of the world. If we we keep uh, keep having coal, what's wrong with nuclear power? Why don't I ever see a push for nuclear power from these people? The problem with nuclear power is literally that it works. I mean, if we want to be charitable to the argument they give, they say that it creates waste that's very dangerous. It also creates the opportunity for dangerous regimes to enrich weapons, which isn't true of all nuclear power. It's only true of particular types of uranium fission. It's not true of these kind of salt-based reactors that are on this next generation of nuclear power. But the the real reason is because it works. It creates a tremendous amount of power. It's very clean. It therefore breaks their climate change myth if we were really worried about CO2 in the environment, you could actually build nuclear power plants, use those to, f- to, to power car- uh, decarbonization, ca- carbon capture and storage. Uh, but they try to say, oh, it's too dangerous because we don't know what to do with the waste. The amount of nuclear waste though is relatively small. They're just unwilling to deal with the fact that it can be stored at least in the medium term and could eventually you know, give us time to create long-term storage solutions. Uh, but the reality is because it works. And if we have an energy solution that works, we don't have to get onto their crackpot program. And they want us on their crackpot program. Finally, ESG. I, I, I encourage people once again, I know you tell people this, look at your bank, look at your financial institutions, look at their websites, see what they have to say about ESG. This isn't some crackpot conspiracy theory. This is something corporations around the globe are taking part in. James, what is it? Well, you know, as you can see on the screen, it says environmental, social, and governance. It is a way that big financial institutions in primary, but also governments, our our SEC just decided to take up with ESG here in the United States, uh, can can enforce certain policies for corporations to have to follow. If you want to get investment capital, if you want to be able to be traded in certain uh, ETFs, if you want to be uh, taken care of as a company, versus kind of marginalized out of the uh, the economy, then you've got to adopt certain environmental policies, certain social justice policies, and certain corporate governance best practice policies that are defined by the same cabal of people like Klaus Schwab and his friend Larry Fink at BlackRock and his friends over whoever they are at Vanguard, because nobody knows who those people are, uh, at these huge investment finance companies that are kind of run everything because they own a significant portion of everything in the world right now. And so the environmental policy falls right into this. They get to dictate this causes climate change, say if it's fossil fuels or fossil fuels derivatives or nuclear power. So that's terrible. And therefore it's bad environmental policy to make use of these dangerous technologies. Look at the Fukushima reactor in Japan with the tsunami. Look how terrible that was. We can't get, use nuclear. We can't use fossil fuels. We'll pollute the world. We're going to kill some turtles or something. And so we have to get away from all that. You get a bad environmental score. We can, however, because COVID-19 is an environmental hazard we can put 160 billion plastic masks in the ocean for environmental reasons because we have to prevent other environmental problems. The social and governance are similar. Governance is going to be that you're going to govern your company by hiring the people they tell you to hire, uh, making sure you have the right diversity in your company, the right uh, officers like ESG officers and DEI officers. And then social is social justice initiatives. Nike didn't go woke. 
because Nike wanted to go woke. Nike went woke because it became invest. It became a profitable to their investment portfolios to start pushing social justice issues because that's what these these tyrants behind this whole program wanted to uh, to, to forward. So it's the communism actually. Equity is the, the word for it, but it's the communism tucked within this fascist program that they're trying to foist upon everybody. James Lindsay, the book is Race Marxism. Go get it. Thank you, my brother. Absolutely, Jesse. Dude is sharp, man. That's why I bring him on. He understands these people. All right. We have a lot more coming up next. One of the things I've found out as the President of the United States, I get to spend a lot of that money. I get to decide where, no, I'm not joking. And we're going to completely, but before, we're going to start the process where every vehicle in the United States military, every vehicle is going to be climate friendly. Every vehicle. We're going to have a, no, I, I mean it. We're spending billions of dollars to do it. Great, great. That's, that sounds like something that's going to get a lot of good people killed. Joining me now to talk about that is my friend, retired Green Beret and congressional candidate, one of the real good ones in Washington State, Joe Kent. Joe, aren't you excited to load up into a solar-powered Humvee, buddy? Yeah, I, I don't even know what to make of that other than our regime is a complete and total joke. I mean, this is just a great example of how Biden is socially engineering, not just the military, but he's putting lives at risk in doing so. Everyone knows that the green technology is not there yet, that we can run our daily commute vehicles, let alone a military vehicle. So Biden's just showing what his priorities are right now. Well, Joe, like you said, everyone knows, and yeah, I know Joe Biden doesn't have a functional brain anymore, but he knows that too. I mean, these people don't think you can make an Abrams tank run, in, run on wind power. They, they understand this is insane, yet they push forward anyway. Is there just no patriotism left with the entire Democratic Party? Is it all gone? It really would appear so. I mean, I think the, the $40 billion uh, vote to Ukraine, uh, the aid package to Ukraine they passed the other night, where not one Democrat had the courage to vote no. I think that's very telling to show exactly where their priorities are. It's shipping them overseas. But then when it comes to our own military's readiness, they want to run this experiment on green vehicles because they really just think that, the, that our institutions that are designed to protect our country are a place for them to conduct social engineering or really just to use as the vanguards of their woke ideology. Okay, Nancy Pelosi, uh, she had something to say about Republicans being in the pocket of the oil industry, which I have complaints about them too, but here's what Nancy had to say. My concern is that they're in the pocket of the fossil fuel industry and are in denial about the climate crisis. Okay, Joe, one, we'll set aside the oil industry for a moment. Aren't they all in the pocket of one energy company or another, whether it be solar panels or oil? Nobody's really in it for us. They're all in someone's pocket. Yeah, I mean, look at all their financial disclosures. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is one of the top earners and, you know, we're hitting Democrats, but there's Republicans on there as well from all their insider yep. stock trading. If you look at their FEC reports, they're all, the vast majority, not all, but are, are receiving, you know, millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars from special interest groups. But really, with Pelosi going after the energy sector right now, when the country's being strangled by inflation, and that inflation really starts with Biden killing off our in, in energy industry, and the, that inflates the price of the pump and the price 
price of all goods. So she's really just trying to do this whole gaslighting, saying, no, it's not us. It's not our policies that are hurting the American people. It's really the fact that Republicans and the environment and something about oil companies. Joe, do they want the country to be broke and poor and have rolling brownouts and blackouts? Because, I, I mean, I, I look at what they're doing. I can't come up with any other explanation. There really is no other explanation. You can't uh, attribute this to incompetence. I think incompetence certainly plays a factor with, with many of these people, but that also I think is by design. They hire people that are intentionally just low achievers. But really I think the overall goal is this great reset. They they want a great reset on every single level. The, the environmentalism, this whole uh, policy idea, it's really one of the vehicles for killing off our energy independence. It's one of the, the vehicles for killing off our natural resources industry, like the timber industry that we have out here in the Pacific Northwest, just to make us really just dependent on the government and the government can flip on the switch or off the switch as far as who gets power and who doesn't. They want that centralized control. And this is just one, one aspect of it. Joe, switching gears, we see wildfires in the news every single year. I grew up in Montana, so I know firsthand what it's like. They're very common. But people who aren't in California, Washington, Montana, Oregon, they don't realize that this is a common thing. They pop up, and every single time these things pop up, these green nut jobs go on TV and tell everyone it's because you're driving an SUV. Why do we have so many forest fire problems, Joe? Like you said, wildfires are a naturally occurring thing. They happen, obviously, when you know the, the wood gets dry and then lightning strikes or something else. It, it can create a, a wildfire. But the reason why they've gotten so horrible in the last couple of years, I actually had to evacuate where I lived uh, two summers ago because of wildfires. It's because we killed off our timber industry. The reason why we were able to thin the forest and keep them at a manageable uh length was the timber industry. It also produced a ton of jobs for hardworking hard Americans. So it's not just the absolute lack of forest management. It's also the fact that the, the, the timber industry isn't out there maintaining the service roads anymore. So one of the wildfires that we had affect our area here, they knew where the wildfire was and that it was spreading, but there simply wasn't maintained roads to get fire crews there in enough time. And this has been the story throughout the West almost every summer. So the left is really quick to say, no, no, this is because like climate change and it got really hot. It got really hot and the forest just spontaneously combusted into a massive wildfire. No, this is a lack of forest management, which can be directly attributed to us killing off the timber industry. So it's it's kind of sick irony. We took away the ability of people to earn a living off the land like they had for generations before at the altar of environmentalism. And now every summer we watch our forests burn. Why'd we kill off the timber industry? Yeah, we killed off the timber industry just like we killed off the vast majority of the industries here in America. Uh, we wanted to ship the vast majority of those jobs overseas. So there was the ultra environmentalism that took away the way that we go out and harvest our timber. But then also we wanted to take what little timber that we do actually harvest and we didn't want to process it here anymore because it was expensive to run mills here in America. It was much more economical for the, the great uh, corporate special interest groups to ship those mills overseas. And that's where the vast majority of that production takes place. So you kind of have a double whammy with the timber industry. It was killed off by globalization. And then the environmentalists came in and said that we have to stop cutting 
cutting any timber whatsoever because we're destroying habitats for spotted owls or we're just going to simply run out of trees. But really, the end of it has been also tied in with this great reset. They don't want independent Americans able to make a decent living in a decentralized way. If you kill off these rural jobs, people start leaving the rural communities. They have to go. They have to live in a city. They have to take a bunch of college loan debt. They can't afford to buy a house. And then you're moving towards this situation where we're, we're kept in these major urban hubs, like waiting for our next government stimulus check or handout or maybe working in an Amazon warehouse. And that seems to be the future that the progressive left wants for us. Well, I can't wait to live in a pod. All right, these climate death cultists, Joe, finally, I'm sure you have some experience with how vicious and nasty these people can be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you bring up the timber industry, you you get you trigger a, uh, a, re a response from a lot of the real active woke folks uh, in the green movement that, that will just say that hey we have to immediately switch and take all these hardline stances like Biden's talking about to immediately transition to green energy and look I I have no issue with green energy but we just need to produce it here in America and it needs to be functional before we bring it online I think that's just basic common sense but instead these people have like a cult like uh, they demand a cult-like obedience to their rhetoric, saying that we have to stop all of our logging right now. We have to stop driving our fossil fuel burning cars right now. And if you don't do it, then you're you're going against them and you're somehow destroying the planet. Um, it, it's really kind of disgusting the way they've been able to kill off jobs and then make us dependent on foreign countries. You're seeing that especially with the energy industry. Joe Kent, good luck. Hey, give out your website, buddy. Yep, absolutely. JoeKentForCongress.com. Uh, anybody can help out. I'd really appreciate it. We're up against the, the establishment and the far radical left. Go support him. Joe, thank you, bud. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Coming up next, final thoughts. It's not just that the climate change people are a death cult. I mean, that, that we've established. We just talked about that for an entire show. It's that the idea that man is changing the Earth's climate has been ingrained in such a gigantic percentage of this world's population. I don't know how we get that toothpaste back in the tube. I don't know how we do it, but we had better start doing it. And we're never going to get that toothpaste back in the tube if we keep giving ground. Well, I mean, we, need, we can reduce carbon other ways. We don't need to reduce carbon at all. Drill, baby. Make this country profitable. Let's lift up the world continually with energy that works, all right? All right. We'll do it again. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning.
Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount.